Good morning, women of strength. It is Wednesday, which means it is the VBAC Link Women of Strength Wednesday. And we have a really fun episode for you today. It's episode number 85. We have Tracy here with us today. And I have a fun story about Tracy that Tracy doesn't even know yet. But I was messaging on Instagram somebody, oh, a month or so ago. And it was right after Tracy, you had your baby. So wait, how old is your baby? Like a month, six weeks? He is three weeks. Just a oh, three, over three weeks. weeks. So it's just yeah. recent. So it was very recently ago. So it was a little yeah. sooner than I thought. Oh my goodness. Shows you how much the time flies. But um, you had just posted your story on Facebook and I'm like, oh my gosh, we would love to hear your story. Um, please submit the form. And then somebody messaged me on Instagram with circumstances similar to why you had your first C-section. And um, after, I think it was either after the IUGR, uh, suspected IUGR, or after a failed induction or something like that, but it was something kind of rare. But then I was like, oh my gosh, yes, we just had somebody who just shared her story like that on our Facebook group. And as soon as I see her submit her story, I will... I will make sure to get her scheduled right away so that you can hear that story. And then she's like, okay, well, just make sure um, that it's before my due date. And she told me what her due date was. And our very next spot open on the schedule was the one where your episode's going live, which is the end of January. And she's due like a week after today. So I, it will be today in January, January 29th. So she's due like February 6th or something. And she's like, oh my gosh, I want to hear her story before my due date. And so like the timing just aligned so perfectly. And um, so if that's you, I've been trying to find her messages on Instagram to keep, to put it all together, but um, I'm not having luck. So just want you to know, Tracy, somebody requested your story air on this very particular day so she could hear it before her due date. So I'm really excited for you to share with us. Um, but before we do that, Megan has our review of the week. Yes. So we have, is it Lutfa? Yeah, that's our Saudi Arabia VBAC yes. doula. Okay, is that how you say those? Lutfa? Lufa, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. On Facebook, and she says, this information is just so on point and amazing and great. Two people talking about facts and what VBAC mamas can do. You cannot go by without learning from them. I'm so empowered with the knowledge I've acquired. If I can actually read, see, this is my problem. Have a hard time reading and, and speaking at the same great. time. <laughs> okay, she says, um, I'm so empowered. With the knowledge that I've acquired from the VBAC link, would recommend this to anyone and everyone and to take the course. Thank you so much. And thank you. We are happy and honored that she is one of our VBAC doulas and super excited that she is feeling empowered and also sharing this with everybody. So we would hope that you share this with everyone too. If you know a mom that's looking to VBAC or maybe even a first-time mom, share this podcast with them because even a first-time mom can learn a ton about how to avoid a cesarean and all the reasons for cesarean and all the things that women go through and learn on the way. So 
Thank you again. And if you haven't left us a review, pause this right now and go and leave a review. We would love it. We might be reading yours next on the podcast. We are on Facebook. We're on, you can message us on Instagram as well. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google. We're all over the place. So we leave are us all a review. Over the place we are. For real. We really are. For real though. <laughs> so leave us a review and we will get that read. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right. Tracy, 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 I'm so excited to hear your story. It's been much anticipated by me and at least one other person. (laughs) And I'm going to try and find her message again on Instagram while you're sharing her story. Um, I think it will be super fun to let you know exactly what she said. And But... I'm really excited that you found us on Spotify because a lot of people don't know that we're on Spotify. I feel like Spotify is kind of like the trendy, like hip thing to do for all the people that are younger than us. Yeah, I like Spotify. <laughs> yeah. I don't hardly ever use it. I like it. I must it. be too old of a lady. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> Tracy, why don't you go ahead and share your stories with us? Because looking at these details now, I am just really excited to hear all of the juicy goodness to the story. (laughs) All right. Hi, guys. I'm so excited and nervous. First off, I just want to say thank you both Megan and Julie for creating this podcast. It gave me so much hope and inspiration just listening to all the stories and it really just empowered me throughout my VBAC journey. So thank Thank you you. so much. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to start with my C-section. Everything was pretty normal up until about 30 weeks when my belly was measuring small at a checkup. And so they sent me off to a specialist and did a growth scan and told me basically that my son was measuring in the 8th percentile So he was below the 10th overall growth percentile, which would categorize him in IUGR, which is the intrauterine growth restriction. And when I heard this, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? You know, everything was so normal up until this point. And then this was brought up and um, the specialist basically told me it could be IUGR or he could just be constitutionally a small baby. And when I heard that, I'm like, that makes sense. Like, I was five pounds, six ounces full term. My husband was like six pounds. We, you know, on both sides of the family, we didn't have anything over like seven pounds. So I was like, oh, he's just small. But in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, this could be an issue. This could be serious. And so basically the specialist said, at any point you can be getting induced and that was at 30 weeks so I was like oh my gosh what is happening I remember it was like a Friday and I went home that weekend and I couldn't talk to my doctor so I was just crying and just so worried and anxious and just really wanted to talk to someone about what was going to happen so I spoke to my doctor and she said basically we can keep him in until you know if there's any signs of distress or if he's not growing but we're going to monitor it like every week I had three appointments so you know I had to get out of work and 
it was NSTs, growth scans, and then they did Dopplers where they checked the umbilical cord flow to make sure everything was good there. And then they also scheduled the steroid shot at 32 weeks to make sure his lungs were developed just in case he did come early. So that was just all a lot to take in my first pregnancy. And I spent every week just worried, you know, is this it? Like, is it going to happen? So he stayed in until it was like 34 weeks, 36 weeks, and then 38 weeks rolled around and he was measuring on track. He was gaining each week, but I was half a centimeter dilated, 50% effaced. I really had no signs of labor now going into labor naturally. I had no bloody show, no mucus plug. I wasn't feeling any pressure. But I just went ahead and went with the induction because when I asked, you know, what's the risk of going full term and my doctor really just kind of like didn't like that I was asking questions and she said, you know, stillbirth and that was like it and there was nothing else after that and I was just like, oh my gosh, that just terrified me and I just really wasn't educated to ask more questions. If I had a doula, I know things would have been different. So we made it to 38 weeks. I went in for the induction and they started with Cytotec to ripen the cervix and then Pitocin. And I didn't think to like ask what level my Pitocin was. I didn't know that was even an option to have different levels administered. And so I don't know what it was at, but my contractions were like two to five minutes from the get-go and they were horrible. I started at 9 p.m., and I only got to three centimeters by 5 p.m. the next day, and it kind of just stalled out. And I remember, like, all my friends had natural childbirth, and they're like, oh, wait till seven centimeters to get the epidural. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm at three. Like, this is not <laughs> happening. And I got the epidural, and I really just felt defeated. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I handle this pain? My back labor was just, all my labor was in my back. It was it was crazy, um, but I went to sleep, which I really needed because I hadn't slept, and I woke up, and I was six centimeters, and they just said, we're going to break your water, and I'm like, okay. You know, I didn't know to ask why or what's going to happen after you break my water, what can that affect during the labor, but they went ahead and did that, and then they put a heart rate monitor, an internal heart rate monitor on his head because he kept having heart decels. So I went back to sleep, and that was around midnight, and or maybe it was a little later, but I woke up at 7, around 6 or 7 a.m., and my contractions were back, and I'm like, what the heck, you know, what happened to my epidural? And they just basically, I don't know if it just stopped working or if they took it away or what, but I just woke up to contractions, and the nurse checked me, and she's like, okay, you're 10, we're going to push. And in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, this is happening, but I just knew it wasn't, I knew I wasn't ready. I knew the baby wasn't ready. I just knew it wasn't time, you know, but they, they were coaching me and had both my legs back and, and it was just exhausting. I only pushed for an hour, but I felt just so exhausted and I had like that tingly feeling all around where you feel like you're going to pass out and I just did not like Mm. that. I had a vein like sticking out of my forehead that I swore was gonna like pop oh you know my gosh. I, like, I, can't, I can't push anymore like I feel like this is gonna pop out of my head and 
my husband had like one job to put the oxygen mask like over my face and he kept forgetting and I was getting like so mad but he kept the baby kept coming down and then going back up and down and back up and so the hospitalist came in and she tried the vacuum and that fell off well I think it was two or three times I forget how many times they can do it but and his heart rate kept dropping and so they basically said you know if it drops again we're going to do a c-section and at that point I was like I didn't want one but I did at the same time because I was just so done and I didn't know I could ask for more time I could you know just say let's stop and see what happens so I'm like, maybe if I don't say anything, they won't do the C-section because I won't say anything and then they can't do it. But I, I didn't say anything and they just wheeled me off and I'm like, okay. And the C-section itself, you know, everyone says they don't hurt. But for me, it didn't hurt, but just like the pulling and the tugging and all the sensations were just like unbearable. And I was just like out of my body, just like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And when he finally came out, he really didn't cry. He didn't cry. And I was so worried. I was just screaming, like, is he okay? Is he okay? And nobody said anything to me. I looked at my husband. I'm like, you need to tell me if he's okay, like, right now. And he just looks at me and, like, nods his head yes, but, like, looks totally unsure. And I'm like, I don't believe you. (laughs) I don't believe you. And he didn't know. Like, he was probably terrified as well. And I finally heard him cry. And, like, everything else just melted away. And they put him on my chest. And... He was, I just kept saying, he's beautiful, he's beautiful, and, you know, the 36 hours of labor just didn't matter anymore. And I can look at, like, I heard someone else say, like, oh, my husband got to hold him first and bond with him, and that was nice, and I look at that, and I'm like, yeah, that was, you know, a positive thing out of the C-section, and we didn't have any NICU, and he was healthy, he latched perfectly, like, right away, but the recovery was just, like, so rough on me, and the pain meds, I just felt terrible and the regrets, like the postpartum depression kicked in and I didn't know at the time, but like I was super scared all the time in the house and like just anxious and just, you know, thinking that there was something wrong with me and like my body had failed me. Like I was born to do this and I just felt like a failure. So there was a lot um, emotional, that emotional baggage that I really had to work through when I went to therapy And, you know, that really helped me through it. And the first thing I did when I got home, I looked up, like, can you have a vaginal birth after cesarean? And I saw VBAC, VBAC. And I'm like, oh, it's possible. So eight months later, 17 months, that was going to be 17 months in between my C-section and my VBAC, we found out we were pregnant. And we had been talking about it. It was like the holidays. And I'm like, oh, I want another baby. But we didn't, like, plan it. But it happened. And... I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to find a VBAC provider. I did find one. It took me calling like three different offices to find one. And he was the only one who did them in my area. And I got a doula after listening to you guys. And I got a doula. I joined ICANN. And my doula has been working in the area for like 20 years. And she was like, oh, he's great. But, you know, the practice itself, you know, the other providers won't do VBACs. And the hospital is like really not supportive Um, you're gonna have to fight really hard to have one there so she suggested a hospital that was like two hours away and I'm like she's crazy I'm not doing that and I'm not even gonna bring it up to my husband he's gonna be like no way but I brought it up to him and he's like well I know how much this means to you and 
you know, let's do it if you want to do it. So I switched at 32 weeks and my doula helped me a lot with like spinning babies and a lot of like fear processing. I did birth art, which was like, you know, drawing out how my first birth went with little stick figures, (laughs) which were horrible. And then, you know, how I wanted it to go this time around. And that helped a lot because it helped me like envision it actually happening because it just felt like it wasn't going to happen. So this hospital had an 80% VBAC success rate. And wow, it was, that's impressive. Yeah and, yeah, and it's the lowest C-section rate in California. So I'm like, I know I'm in the right place. Dr. Stu, I actually emailed him after listening to an interview you guys had with him. And he also recommended this hospital. Awesome. Yeah, he's great. We like that guy. Um, I love him. And I knew I was in the right place, but they brought up IUGR, and I was just like, no, this is not happening again. And they wanted to monitor me, and just all that fear came up, you know, it's going to happen again. But I just kept going with the flow because I'm like, okay, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm with the best providers I can be with. I'm just going to trust the universe that, you know, it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. But at 37 weeks, I had a growth scan and they didn't call me with the results. And I was like, just stressing so much. And so I was bugging them like someone needs to call me, someone needs to call me. And finally, someone called me on a Friday at like 9pm, the nurse called me and they're like, yeah, the doctor on call wants you to come down. And I'm like, it's a two hour drive. Can't they just like talk to me over the phone? And she's like, no, she wants you to come in. So we drive down Friday night and this doctor walks in and she tells me that my baby is measuring in the eighth percentile once again. And he's five pounds, four ounces. And I have low fluid as well. And so I was just like, I can't believe this is happening again. And this doctor walked in and just said, basically, I want to do a C-section tonight. And I've never seen this doctor before. I basically was like, no, we are not having a baby tonight. I looked at my husband. I'm like, we need to leave. And he's like, what? I'm like, we need to go. And so the doctor came back in and she's like, well, we could induce you with like Pitocin or breaking your waters. And I was just like, I spoke with all the doctors here and they did not suggest that like they suggested Mm. augmentation versus induction and she was like arguing with me saying that pitocin would be an augmentation and I was just like no that's not like you sweep my membranes give me a fully like I'm not getting pitocin and she like I was like we need a minute (laughs) like we need a minute and she like went out my husband's like you need to calm down you're being really mean and I'm like no like this isn't right like And she came back and she apologized, which was crazy. And she's like, you're right. Like, we wouldn't start with Pitocin. I looked at the hospital policy and which I I was really happy that she actually admitted that she was wrong. And I mean, she didn't work with that practice. She was just the doctor on call. So she was like, let me just check you and see where you're at. And I was really like, I didn't want her to check me at all okay, you know, check me, but I didn't trust her. And she's like, okay, you're four centimeters, which was awesome. But I was like, I'm not having a baby tonight. I'll come back. So I agreed to come back Sunday um, in the morning for more monitoring and hopefully a new doctor at that point. 
But the next day, it was my husband's birthday, and I was throwing him a surprise birthday party. And I was planning everything and getting everything set up, and I started having some mild, like, Braxton Hicks. And that was more towards the end of the night. They became more regular. It was, like, 20 minutes apart. So I texted my doula, and she's like, all right, take a bath, go to sleep. If it's the real deal, you won't rest. And so... I went to sleep and I woke up around two in the morning and I couldn't fall back asleep and I was timing them and they're about 15 minutes apart at this point. So I got on the yoga ball and I was like watching TV and 6 a.m. rolls around and they're, you know, getting closer. They're like seven to 10 minutes, but they're really manageable. That's why I didn't think it was labor. I got in the shower, I got ready, I made breakfast. And I put my son, my son is like one and a half at this point, and I put him down and for his nap, like I didn't want to leave until he was like, you know, sleeping and happy and safe. And I just was like really sad. It was like our last moment together and I was like crying, but we drove to the hospital and my contractions were still like seven to 10 minutes, but they started to like space out as we got closer. And I'm like, oh no, this is false labor. But we got to the hospital and everything like stopped and I was so confused. So we went on a walk trying to get things started again and nothing happened. So we went in and my doctor was there and I requested that my fluids get checked again and she checked them and they were fine. She did suggest that we induce, but she gave me more time. She's like, why don't you come back? Tuesday and I'm like okay that's fine and she checked me and I was a five and I wasn't having any contractions that's so amazing a- that's awesome yeah she, she sent me away and I'm like dang it so I was starving and we went to eat like 20 minutes away and um, we we're planning to stay in the area overnight just in case anything happened we we're gonna go to my husband's uncles who lives in the area but we went to eat first we went to sushi and I got like so much sushi. It was crazy. I got like all off of the non-raw menu. So I'm like eating the sushi and they're like four to five minutes apart and they start to get stronger, but I'm like still like taking breaks and then eating. And I'm like, this isn't labor. Like I wouldn't be eating if it was. (laughs) And I'm just like wolfing down all this food. And then finally like one hit and I'm like, oh no, we have to go. And he's like, what? I'm like, we have to go back to the hospital And even, like, saying it, I felt crazy because we were just there. But I just knew. I was like, we have to go. And I just walk out of the door. And he's like, um, check, please. Like, we need to pay. Like, my wife's in labor. And I just see everyone look out the window. And I'm, like, over this bus bench. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And so he comes out. I get in the back seat. We have a car seat back there. It's a small car. And I'm, like, on all fours. And he starts to drive to his uncle's. And I'm, like, where are you going? Go to the hospital. (laughs) And so he turns around. And he goes to the hospital. And it's, like, 30 minutes. And I'm, like, oh, my gosh. And I'm just, like, hugging this car seat on all fours, like, texting people. And they're, like, you wouldn't be texting. And I'm, like, I don't know. I think it's real. My doula's, like, lay down. If it happens through, you know, laying down, if you have a contraction, it's real. And so I did, and I had a contraction, and so then I started to, like, having to talk myself, like, through it. I was like, okay, I had mantras, three of them were, you and your baby are okay, this is normal, and your body was meant for this. And that just, like, really helped me through that car ride. 
So we get to the hospital, and I go in, and I look at the nurse, and I'm like, I either have to push this baby out right now, or I have to go to the bathroom. You have to tell me, like, which one it is. <laughs> and she's like, hold on, let me check you, and then if you're a 10, we could push. If not, you need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay. And I was seven centimeters, so she's like, okay, go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I go to the bathroom, come back. They hook me up on the monitors. My doula couldn't get there in time, so she had a backup doula that I got to know. And so she got there right when I started asking for nitrous oxide or the epidural. And they were kind of like, the staff kind of like ignored me. They're like, okay. And they just like walked away. Um, <laughs> You're like, no, really, was, this is what I'm wanting. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, no, but I wasn't really like, I need it, you know. So mm-hmm. they are just like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. But all of a sudden, like, through the contractions, I started pushing, like, involuntarily. And I was like, okay, what's happening? I knew I heard about, like, the urge to push. And my doctor (laughs) was like, don't push unless you're a 10. Like, let me check you. And I'm like, I don't want anyone to check me. Like, it just ramped everything up each time. And I'm still asking for the epidural. And she comes in and she checks me. And she's like, you're a 10. And then right when she, like, takes her hand out, my water is just, like, go. So I don't know if she did it or if it just happened or what. But right then when they're like, hey, it's time to push. And I'm like, still, I need the epidural. (laughs) And they're like getting the baby warmer. My husband's like, no, you're having a baby. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I just couldn't picture it happening. And all the fears crept back in, like just pushing before and, you know, him going back up. And my husband's like, I see his head. And I'm like, you saw it last time. And he's like, it's different this time. And I just really needed to hear that, that it was different this time because everything just felt, you know, just so similar in terms Mm -hmm. of like the IUGR and all of that. And so finally I felt the ring of fire and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is is what they talk about and it's It's happening. happening. (laughs) Yeah. And I felt like my, like... I I felt like I was screaming super loud, but my husband's like, no, it wasn't that loud. I'm like, I felt like my voice like left my body for a minute and (laughs) um, four pushes and he was out and it was only one hour after getting to the hospital, which I was just in complete shock after and just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like the video is kind of embarrassing because I'm just telling everyone, thank you. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They pulled him up on my chest and he was tiny, but he was screaming his little head off and he was five pounds, four ounces. So just a little bit smaller than his brother at 38 weeks, but perfectly healthy, just a little bit of jaundice. And um, we did have some issues latching at first, but that has since been revol- um, resolved. And the recovery um, with my VBAC versus my C-section was just night and day. The only pain I had were I tore a little bit and the stitches were just like a little bit too long. So I was getting poked, but I went back like a week after and they fixed it. And so really it was like I was up and moving Um, no postpartum and I just really felt just so empowered this time around versus last time I just had so much like regret and I really felt like I had no voice through everything and this time it was just so different Um, so yeah that's my story I love that story there's so many fun things in there and there's a lot that we can talk about but I want to talk about one thing specifically, but it's really funny. I want to just um, tell a little story. The birth I was at two days ago, 
you know, when you said like you felt the ring of fire, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. I just, the birth I was at <laughs> a couple of days ago, there was a lot of complications. It was not a VBAC, but there was a lot of complications. And the, fir- the her first birth was a, a, was premature, very premature. And this birth was, was like late prematurity. So we were really lucky to get that mm-hmm. far. But her first birth, her, um, sh- her husband said she knew it, she was ready when she felt like she had to go poop. And this birth I was just at, she went from being in nice labor. I feel like she just skipped transition. And then all of a sudden she yelled out, I need to go poop. Like she yelled it just like that. And then right after that, her husband stood up and he's like, it's time. And then she had a baby 10 minutes later. It was like, just like that. Oh my it was God. super fast. And it was so funny. It just reminded me of that when you said, I felt the ring of fire and I, I couldn't believe it was time. And I, and it's just really fun. Like, to witness these special moments and in all types of birth, not just be back that you just, you just get to see everyone's journey is so different. But I think in, in ways we all, we all have, it's all difficult at some point, you know, each journey is. And I'm grateful that your that your little babies are healthy and well. And that makes me really happy. Uh, and your the restaurant part, I just, I don't know, there's so many parts I just loved, but I'm not going <laughs> to talk about all of them because then it would take just way too long and all night. But I want to share um, with our listeners, finding the a good support team is key. It doesn't mean just your provider. Finding your, a good doula to help you. I'm so glad that you had a doula and finding people that lift you up and help you and know all of the right things to say and know when they just need to be quiet and those type of things, you know, because silence sometimes is all you need. You just need someone to listen and you just need like I whenever I'm talking to my husband and I'm emotional, I just sometimes preface it like I don't need you to fix things right now. I just need you to listen. And you just need people mm-hmm. you can tell that to, right? And so one thing that Megan and I really have tried to build up with this with the VBAC link is a feeling of community and support for everybody that comes in contact with us, not just by interacting with Megan and I, but with interacting with other people that are like them. And Mm -hmm. so very early on, we created a Facebook group that we hate calling a group because we feel like that just has such a community. It's like mom groups, you know, like sometimes they can have (laughs) bad commentation. So Megan had the idea to call it a community because that's what we want to do is create this community of women and parents because it's not just women and not just people who identify as women. It's for, for all genders and all gender identities and all birthing parents and all birthing partners and birth workers and just everybody that can get you. And I love that. Our community is such a safe, healthy place. We always have like, people don't always agree with one another, but like, but people are respectful of each other's opinions. We, if anyone ever like gets a little out of line, we like, don't tolerate that crap. We, we say in our rules, like if here's the rules and if you're disrespectful or rude or just plain mean, there are no warnings. You're just, you're just, you'll be banned from the group because we are so we protect that group so fiercely with all of our hearts. And so we love that you, Tracy, were a part of this group and you shared your story almost right away. And it was really neat to see your pictures and read your story out. And guess what? I found the message from Instagram that people that um, lady that messaged me and I'm going to pull it up and read it right now because she saw your story in your community in our community. And so I'm just going to read her sweet little message. She sent me a screenshot of your 
post on Facebook. And this is what she said. I'm pulling it up right now. Sorry, I don't know how to use my iPhone after the update. Okay, here we go. So she sent me a screenshot of your story. And she messaged it on Instagram. And she said, 17 months at, from C-section to VBAC. She needs an episode right away. Pretty, pretty, please. And then she's like, heart eye emoji, heart emoji, heart eye emoji, heart emoji, heart eye emoji. So it's like all the hearts, oh. all the loves. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you... Um, I just told you just applied yesterday to share your story. And as soon as we open recording dates, we'll get you scheduled in. And I blocked your episode out for the very next one that we had available so that we can make sure to get you in as early as possible. And she's due on February 2nd. So three days after this episode airs is her due date. And her name on Instagram is Dreaming of the Farm. It's all one word, Dreaming of the Farm. And so maybe, Tracy, maybe you want to message her. I don't know. You don't have to. Oh, yes. But, I've talked to her before. Oh, have you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. She is so, yeah. such a sweetheart. I just love talking to her. Yeah. She's like, and then she's like, no pressure, but I w- w- it would be great if I could air before my due date. And so, like, I blocked her out i had this all in caps in my spreadsheet of show notes and everything like this is reserved for tracy and so i wouldn't book anybody else in this january 29th slot so um i just thought Mm -hmm. that was super sweet and i think that that even it gives like a a good vibe like that story i think is a good vibe about what our community is like it's the people sharing their stories and their struggles and their triumphs and their hard times and And it's just really cool to have this community of people from all over the world that rally together to support and lift and build each other up. So, Tracy, I'm so grateful for your story. And I'm so grateful that you're part of our community and you're already inspiring people. And that's that's what we want to do. That's our aim and our goal. And so we thank you so much for being a part of that. Thank you, guys. Yeah, the Facebook group has helped me so much. I don't know how many times I posted in there throughout my yeah. pregnancy. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Again, it was like every week there was something. We love and that, everyone Yeah, just, it's yeah, perfect. Everyone helped me so much, and I'm so glad that my story can help someone else now because I know all the stories on here helped me so much. I binge listened to everything like a million times, so <laughs> I'm glad uh, my story might be able to help someone else. It will. It's definitely going to inspire. We get that question asked so much. Like everybody, I feel like all the time, we wrote a blog about it. How long do I have to wait before I get pregnant again to try for my VBAC? And the answer, if you didn't know, um, is as long as it's six months between your C-section and your next pregnancy, there's no increased risk of complications due to your having had a cesarean. So like uterine rupture or other things. Yeah. So Studies show there's months, not a difference yeah. between six months versus 10 months versus 12 months versus 18 months versus three years. Yeah. Your scar is as strong yeah. as it's going to be after six months. And if you want to link to that citation um, and where we found that information, um, you can find it on our blog. As you all know, the vbacklink.com slash blog. It's right up there near the top for you. And if you are not already, I really, really, really wish you would join our Facebook community. It's just called the VBAC Link community. So head on over there. Make sure you answer all the questions because we are really, really picky about approving people only who answer all of our questions. Like I said, we protect the group fiercely with all our heart. It is a safe space. And so we want to see you there and we hope you get involved and we can meet you on that side. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.